Welcome to the Love and Context Podcast, engaging in unscripted conversations with your hosts, Ben and Spencer. Whether you're tuning in from your car, your office, your home, or anywhere in between, we are so happy to have you join us today. Our mission is simple, to explore the Bible through a powerful lens of love. Together, we'll uncover fresh insights and gain deeper understandings of how we can love God and love the people in our everyday lives. So buckle up and join us on the spiritual journey as we discover timeless wisdom that is just as relevant today as it was thousands of years ago. Without further ado, let's dive right in. Welcome to the Love and Context Podcast with Ben and Spencer. I am Spencer. I'm Ben. And we are going through Deuteronomy. We're on our second week, right? We are on our second week of Deuteronomy. And in case anybody is wondering who's watching the videos, I actually do have shirts that aren't Batman. Oh, I do. I do. Like two or three of them. Okay. Yeah. There's a, there's a Captain America. I have a Superman. (laughs) Oh, so you're Marvel and DC. Oh yeah. No, I'm, I'm on equal opportunity superhero. I don't don't know if that's allowed. It's allowed. Oh, okay. You know, as long as I buy that and they get the royalty, they're fine with it. Yeah. They don't. Yeah. They're, they're completely fine with it as long as I spend the money. Yeah. So this week on this week's episode, we are going to be in Deuteronomy. Yeah, we're going to be pulling two concepts out of chapter five and after out of chapter six. Yep. Yeah. So if you have not read those, go on to your Bible app or open your Bible and read Deuteronomy five and six before we have this conversation, because it's going to hinge on you actually having heard this before. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So here in these chapters, we have a recounting of the Ten Commandments or the Ten Words. Mm-hmm. And if you uh, actually, if you want to go back, we actually have the episode on the Ten Words. There's mm-hmm. some things we talked about. We'll link that in the show notes as well. Yeah. If you are just coming to us as a new listener and haven't heard that before, because we're going to reference back to some ideas that we had back there too. And we want <clears> to <throat> just reiterate again, this is a retelling. Right. Moses is telling this from his perspective. And so there are some things, if you're reading the account in Deuteronomy versus the account in Exodus, you might be like, oh, these seem a little different. Right. And we'll talk a little bit about that. But we have a few other ideas as well. But right. But we just wanted to mention that. So one of the things we talked about when we did this back in Exodus is this idea of a ketubah, mm-hmm. right? This, this statement in a wedding, in a Jewish wedding ceremony of this is who I am. And this is who I expect you to be. Yeah. These, this is this is how we we will interact, and this is how I'm interact with you. This is how you're going to interact with other people. And we read the ten words as a wedding ceremony. Yeah. Right. Which is completely appropriate. Mm-hmm. Right. This is this is God's wedding gift to the Israelites. They consider yeah. the law their wedding gifts, and the Ten Commandments is encompassing that. Mm-hmm. Interesting idea that we came across, and I kind of want to discuss a little bit. I'm going to give, like, once again, credit to Rabbi David Foreman at Aleph Beta. But I kind of want to talk about something he was talking about with the Ten Commandments and and kind of just get into this. So there's ten, but there's two tablets. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that I always find interesting about that is God doesn't have to give them two tablets. He could have just written in a smaller font. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> just put that down into ten and then single space, you know. So there's a reason why they're on two tablets and not one. Yeah. Right. Now, one of the things that we've talked about is that there is, this is who I'm going to be. This is who you're going to be. But the first tablet is largely dealing with vertical relationships. In other words, like what is going on with God and like, how do you interact with God? And then the other ones are dealing with the horizontal relationships, five through 10. The, the only places that doesn't work is there's this command number five, mm-hmm. honor your father and mother, right? Mm-hmm. To uh, honor your father and mother that it may go well with you in life. Mm-hmm. Right. They're not God. Parents, you are not God. 
Yeah. Hopefully I'm not shocking or breaking any paradigms there. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that Foreman says, the way that you kind of interact with that is uh, the reason that parents fits on the left tablet instead of the right tablet is because you actually are coming, you are created from your parents. Mm -hmm. You're never like, and, and maybe you see what you think about this, but I'm never going to be peers with my parents. I always came from them, Mm -hmm. right? There are things that we are peers on, but I'm always going to be their child. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, I'm a, I'm a piece that they created, mm-hmm. you know, and so like on a very broad level, like how do I interact with people vertically from me as opposed to like an aunt and uncle? Like I might be peers with my aunt and uncle, mm-hmm. but I'm not ever going to be with my parents. Yeah. And as you get older, you become more and more peer like. Mm-hmm. I, I would argue that. Yeah, exactly. But mm-hmm. I mean, an example, like when my dad came out to visit this mm-hmm. last summer, I didn't pay for a single thing. Right. Right. Like, <laughs> there's just no way. Like, I mean, I, I'd never asked him to pay for anything. I'm a grown adult. I yeah. can pay for my own bills. I can pay for stuff. But he was like, oh, yeah, no, I'll fill your truck up with gas. Oh, no, I got groceries. Oh, that's, no, I'll do this. That's such like, a parent thing. And I was like, okay, dad, like, if that's what you want to do, great. Like, you know, I'm not going to not going to stop him from doing that because he wants to bless him that way. Right. I know he listens to this. And so yeah. he's going to have some. He's, he's, he's going to be like, well, actually, but... I've been itemizing those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I mean, like early on in our marriage, Tara and I, we were having this conversation because whenever her dad would come to visit, he want to take her out to dinner and yeah. he wanted he'd want to pay for this. He want to pay for that. Yeah. And her dad is he's a very money conscious person. Mm-hmm. And he just he doesn't spend a lot of money on himself. He spends a ton of money on his kids. Mm-hmm. Right. But she's like, well, dad, you know, I have a job, I have a career, I'm married, I have a house, you know, all these different things. And I said, Tara, your dad is expressing how he feels about you mm-hmm. by doing these things. You need to let him. And spoiler alert, a lot of guys are not good at expressing how they feel. That's true. They're okay? not good at expressing. Like, and I, I'm not. I'm, <clears throat> That's not everyone. It's not everyone. That's not a blanket rule. I'm not saying every guy. I'm saying a lot of guys, right? Yeah. So they might express that by like, hey let me bless you by buying this or doing this or taking you out to dinner or whatever. <coughs> right. Yeah. Um, this is, this is neither here nor there because this is not really having to do with what we're talking about today. But I did hear a pastor and I thought it was a really good thing. He's like, I have these guys come in and they're like, pastor, I love my wife, but I'm not emotional. And he's like, I don't know. I've seen you at a football game. You're pretty emotional. Like you, he's like, now you, you know how to express anger and lament. Mm-hmm. He's like, so now it seems like you just got to get in tune with your other emotions. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. and I just thought that was really funny. Yeah. Because, yeah. Yeah. So like to your point though, is like you become more of a peer to your parents, but your, your dad's your dad, mm-hmm. your mom's your mom. Mm-hmm. Right. My aunt and uncle, like those, like, I kind of feel like eventually you get to this point where you're kind of just like uneven filing with them. Like, even though it's your uncle, your aunt, you appreciate them, all those things. You, they could be peers mm-hmm. with, with parents. It just doesn't ever feel like that's going to be the case. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's a vertical relationship as opposed to horizontal. So relationship to creators is what I'm going to call them. Like both your creator of like you, and then also like your parents, mm-hmm. right. And those are vertically connected. And then those vertically around you, who are your peers? Like, mm-hmm. so you would be my peer and like, you know, my wife is my peer and like all everybody else that I'm interacting with. Mm-hmm. So the first tablet is how do you interact with those people vertically? Yeah. And the, and the second is how do you interact with them horizontally? Now, the interesting thing about that is Foreman then postulates, what if there aren't 10 laws, but there's five laws that are expressed two different ways and that these five laws actually connect to each other in a very profound way, both vertical and horizontal. So why would that matter? Now, there is a story of a very famous rabbi by the name of Hillel. 
You've heard of him, right? So in the time of Jesus, there's like two really popular schools of uh, rabbinical Judaism. There is the school of Shammai and there's a school of Hillel. Hillel is usually the one who a lot of his, his ideology is the ones that Jesus is also affirming from the Torah, right? But there's a story about a guy who comes up and he asks both rabbis, but I'm just going to give you Hillel's answer. He comes up to Hillel and he says, teach me all of Torah while I stand on one foot. You know, the idea being that you have to be able to explain it quickly, right? And Hillel makes a statement. I'm going to read it directly. It says, that which you hate, don't do that to your fellow. The rest is commentary. Mm-hmm. That which you hate, don't do that to your fellow. The rest is commentary. Now, later in Judaism, Rabbi Akiva is going to take this and he's going to say, you need to love your neighbor as yourself. He's going to take that idea from Leviticus, right? So when you're hearing that, you say, well, why might Hillel say it this way? And I want you to just put a pin in that for an idea as we kind of go along. So I want to go back and take a look at this idea of 10 and 5. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if there are 10 and five, let's start taking a look at these laws and see what might be the connecting ideas between them. Okay. So the first command, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt. You shall have no other gods before me. Mm -hmm. Right. The sixth command is do not murder. Do not murder. Okay. So what is it about not recognizing God as God that has to do with not murdering? So little thought experiment for you here. <clears throat> what is murder exactly? Like, so if I'm, if I'm laying in bed one night and I'm just like, you know what? The world doesn't need Spencer. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he, it's funny that he says that because if that would happen, the world would be without Ben because my wife would be coming after him. Yes. Yes, he would. But like, so if I, if I'm, I'm sitting there, I said, I said, how do I, if I'm sitting there and I say, okay, well, the world doesn't need Spencer. In fact, I just wish Spencer was not here. Mm-hmm. The, the only way to actually remove you is to objectively remove you. Mm-hmm. Right. Because otherwise you're, you're still going to be in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, so murder is actually objectively actually removing you from this world. Now you could say, of course he's killing, but now I'm actually doing it with intent to actually deprive you of life and actually remove you from society. When you think about, I'm the Lord, your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, don't have any other gods before me. When you actually place God and you start to ignore him mm-hmm. as the authority figure in your life, you are now effectively, cause you can't murder God, mm-hmm. right? You can't kill God. But what you can do is you can live your life pretending like he doesn't exist. Yeah. Right. Which is a subjective way to live. Whereas murdering somebody is an objective thing that you can do, mm-hmm. right? And so you have this objective and subjective way that you can either interact with God or interact with others, <clears throat> which you might say that the concept there is don't do away with others. Yeah. It's this connecting concept between these two laws. Now, at this point in the podcast, there are people who are listening to me and going, Ben has off his rocker. Bear with us. You might be right, but we're going to keep going. Well, to add to that real quick. Yeah. So to say I am the Lord your God put no other gods before me yeah okay and to say do not murder yeah right the other way that I'm looking at it is God the value that God puts on you look mm-hmm. at that the value of the love he puts on you he puts on your neighbor oh yeah so then when you go and murder your neighbor you are devaluing the value of God you're actually putting the value of something else in front of what God values mm-hmm. which is other people yep which is putting yeah. God before God that's actually going to play really well into what I have coming up so thank you for that <laughs> thank you so then the, the second law is this, you shall have no other gods before me, but then you're not supposed to make any idols. idols, right? Makes sense. You're not supposed to have any gods, probably don't keep pictures or, you know, of other gods, which actually coordinates with the uh, seventh law, which is do not commit adultery. adultery. 
And uh, you say, well, how do these two ideas work? You're not betraying the, you're not like betraying your relationship by mixing in something that doesn't belong. Now in adultery, you're taking two people who are married Mm -hmm. and they, they are committed, they're together. And you typically mix in a third party that doesn't belong. Mm-hmm. or fourth party that doesn't belong, depending on like... Spoiler, it usually doesn't end well. It usually does not end well. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't end well with idolatry either. And there's like a whole Old Testament that talks about it. <laughs> and so what you're doing is you're mixing in something that doesn't belong. Once again, if the Lord your God is, you're not having any other gods before him, you're mixing in something that doesn't belong. Mm-hmm. Asherah poles, right? Or temples to Dagon, mm-hmm. right? Like these things that don't belong and are actually uh, betraying the relationship. So then you have, uh, don't do away with others. And then this one is don't betray relationships, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> so hopefully you're starting to see this. Like you, probably there's people listening that their mind is getting exploding right now. Right? Well, I mean, so between two and seven, yeah. Like think of it this way. This is this is at least what's coming to my mind. So our relationship with Christ is supposed to symbolize marriage, mm-hmm. right? And if we bring something and put that before Christ, we're essentially cheating. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so don't commit adultery. Same thing. Like you have a marriage relationship, you bring someone else into that, you're cheating on that. And they tie together. (coughs) The two concepts tie together beautifully. Right. Because if your marriage is supposed to represent the the church marriage with Christ, then why would you bring something into impede that? hundred percent. So then the third one is do not take the Lord's name in vain. Mm -hmm. Right. And the eighth command is to not steal. And you might hear that and you're like, okay, but how are those the same idea? Well, it turns out in the Hebrew, steal doesn't necessarily mean steal. It means to pick up and, and take away. Mm-hmm. Okay. In fact, they have actually connected to the idea of kidnapping, right? Like you, you take and you, and you take for yourself, right? What did we talk about with the Lord's name? It's like, it's not taking the name in vain. It's actually, do you bear up, lift mm-hmm. up, pick up mm-hmm. the name incorrectly and bear it incorrectly? Mm-hmm. Like don't pick up the name and then use it for what it's not meant for. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you see how those ideas might be related. You know, you have this idea of kidnapping or lifting up and stealing and talked about how you're supposed to bear up the name incorrectly, violating someone in their abstract, mm-hmm. right? Their name, mm-hmm. as opposed to violating somebody with their body, yeah. picking up and kidnapping their stuff or them, right? Well, and how you go, how you go about living your life. Right. Right. If you're bearing the name of the Lord correctly, yeah, your life's going to look a certain way. Yeah. Right. Right. Now you tie that to tie that to eight. Having kids is a good thing. Yeah. How you go about getting kids? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's the place you went. Uh huh. Well, I, I mean, let's be real, right? Right. Uh, my daughter the other day. This is a couple months ago. She was like, "I want a brother," and I was like, "Oh, okay." Well, I was like, "I was like, well, you have to go talk to your mom about that." And then, then her follow up statement was, "Can we go to Walmart and get a brother?" <laughs> yeah, just. And I was like, no, (laughs) no, we can't do it that way. That's that's not how that works. Right. Like having kids is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Right. But there is a process you go through to get kids. Well, and I think with the one thing is that if you were the kind of person who bore up God's name incorrectly or yeah, if you were the kind of person who bore up God's name correctly, you wouldn't be the kind of person who takes things from other people. Yeah. And if you are the kind of person who would bear the name incorrectly, you're absolutely, if you would abscond with God's name, you're absolutely abscond with people's things. Yeah, absolutely. Which by the way, Christians, I'm looking at you, mm-hmm. you know, whose name are you bearing? Yeah. Yeah. Because and, that's, that's going to tell us a lot about what you're going to do in reality. Yeah. And put yourself in the other person's shoes too, mm-hmm. for a moment. Cause if you're not bearing up the name of God in, correctly, people are going to notice that. Yeah. Okay. 
I'm going back to the kidnapping because my brain's. I mean, it's it's okay. it's hilarious. Okay. Like, I mean, okay. Let me specify: kidnapping is not hilarious. The way you brought it up is very funny. Yeah. yeah. Don't kidnap. Okay. I I don't. I would hope that anybody who's listening to us isn't thinking about kidnapping. Okay. So if you're, if you're not, I'm not going to lie. Okay. I'm not going to lie to you. That's probably the best three minutes of podcast that we've had. Yeah. Like that was great. <laughs> yeah. So if you're bearing up the name of God incorrectly, people are going to notice that. Okay? Yeah. They're going to notice that. Okay. Just like if you kidnap a child, they're going to notice that you are not their parent. Right. Well, and so like the, the connecting concept is don't violate the abstract, like somebody's yeah. name and, or the concrete, like mm-hmm. the body of another. Yeah. Like don't violate the abstract or the concrete of another person. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That's the a connecting thing here. So the next one is honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Mm-hmm. Right. Connecting with don't bear false witness. Now I, I want to tell you something that's interesting. If these concepts are connected, I wonder, like I've thought about the fact that the church really struggles with both of these. Mm-hmm. A lot of churches who struggle to recognize the need for a Sabbath tend to be the same kind of people who tend to tell interesting stories about their neighbor. Yeah. Right. Bearing false witness. Now, this idea is that Sabbath observance, when, when the Sabbath day, so God on the seventh day, he makes it holy. Yeah. It's a testament when we celebrate it to us understanding whose image we're made in. Yeah. Right. And it's also a testament to what God has done in the other six days. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So it is our trust and it is our is our trust in God's story in that he says the story is good and we're trusting in that and that he's the one who's going to bring Exodus, not us. Yeah. Right. So what happens when you bear false testimony? You actually testify falsehood. Yeah. You bring incorrect. You start to assassinate somebody's character. Now, Sabbath observance is about acknowledging the story that God's work is good, that we are made in his image, trusting in a story, safeguarding or being witness to the truth by way that we live our life. False testimony Mm -hmm. is the exact opposite of that. Mm -hmm. So these ideas are very clearly linked. Yeah. Like one is the way that you interact with God. Are you putting on on display the testimony that, yes, God, I trust you. Mm -hmm. And the way that I interact with other people, the truth that I tell, the ability that I have to actually look people in the eye and tell the truth and to correctly assess their character says whether or not I trust this story. Yeah. Right? It's not surprising to me that a lot of like now I'm actually having it in my head, like people that I've struggled with who tend to misrepresent people's character. Mm-hmm. They struggle with trusting that the story is good. Yeah. It's, it's not an accident that those ideas are linked. So I often find that people who struggle trusting that the story is good are all too consumed with their reputation mm-hmm. and how they're going to be perceived. Mm-hmm. The reality, though, is if we're trusting that God's story is good, we don't need to be concerned about that. Right. And to the point of what we talked about last episode, like your mistakes and being able to lay them out in front of people can enable other people to live into truth. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, being 100%. like helping people avoid the pitfalls. That's like, that's what Moses is trying to do in Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, Hey, these are some mistakes we made. Try not to do the exact same thing. Now they're all responsible for what they do. Yeah. But Moses is doing his best at this point to ha- try to make sure that they don't fall into the same pitfalls. Yeah. Right. So that, that concept would be safeguard the truth or the mm-hmm. story. Right. This linking concept between the two of them. And so then the last two would be to honor your father and mother and to not covet. Do not covet. 
Now, the interesting thing that Foreman points out about this, he says, do not covet actually gets really specific. It's like, do not cover covet your neighbor's wife. Do not cover his oxen. Do not cover his house. Do not cover his field. Do not cover, like he lists a bunch of things. And one of the things that I found particularly interesting about this is he talked about the idea of coveting. And so let's say that you have like a 60 inch TV that I love. Right. So I come over to your, t- your house and I'm like, man, I wish I had Spencer's 60 inch TV. It's really funny because I have an old piece of junk TV. Yeah. Well, let's just imagine <laughs> that you have a 60 inch TV. Okay. And, uh, and so I see this TV and I'm like, Spencer, can I buy this TV from you? And you're like, no. I was like, well, will you give it to me? No. And I'm just like, I'm freaking out. I'm like, man, I just really want this TV. I, I want this TV. Like this TV would complete my life. Now, if I'm meeting with my therapist and I'm talking about how much I want this TV and, and, and wanting, eventually the therapist is going to be like, well, why don't you just go buy the TV? Mm-hmm. Right. Now, my question then, and the question I found really particularly interesting when you brought it out was this, if I go and buy that TV, does that actually deal with my coveting? Mm-hmm. No. No, because something, something is wrong internally that I actually, in some capacity, want to be you. Mm-hmm. I believe that what I have isn't enough and that what you have would fulfill me. Mm-hmm. And in some capacity, I want to be Spencer, right? I'm honored, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Well, and, and you know, when you're, when you're coveting somebody's wife, you're like, oh, if I had that relationship, if I had that house, if I had that job, if I had, and you're not content with who you are, you're not content with the gift of who you are. Mm-hmm. Right now, once again, honor your father and mother, there are plenty of parents that are not honorable, Yeah, but they did give you a gift called your life. Mm-hmm. And so when you honor your father and mother, you're not necessarily honoring the way they treated you. You're honoring the gift that they gave you, which is your life. You're honoring that which you recognize that has been given to you mm-hmm. as a result of, yes, God speaking life through them, mm-hmm. right? But your parents gave you life. At the very bare minimum, the life that you have is good. Yeah. And they gave it to you. I'm laughing that you chose me as the example of coveting over. Yeah. Because, I mean, I mean, a lot of listeners probably don't know this. But Fancy like, cars, big but, TVs. So, like. Rolls Royce, Rolexes. You know, like for those who don't know, we'll just provide a little context. Ben likes his things nice, newer and really good working order. I like my stuff functional. It's like, ah, it works. It'll last a little while until it breaks and then we'll fix it up till it is somewhat working again. So to give you guys kind of an idea, yeah, just give you just, just a little bit of an idea. Okay. Ben's got a nicer, newer Toyota car. Okay. My <coughs> latest car that I bought, I bought at an impound auction. Yeah. It was a rusted out piece of crap that I put some work into. And I'm <laughs> like, now it's drivable. So the fact that Ben was like, oh, I'm coveting over Spencer stuff. I'm like, I don't think there's a single item in my house that you're like, I really want that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Sorry, no, I mean, it's, it's funny. Like, but it also like plays into the absurdity of it. Uh-huh, like, yeah. like, so this idea of both honoring your father and mother and not coveting is recognizing yourself. Yeah. Recognizing your value and what you have. Mm-hmm. Right now, parents give you life. They recognize and honor the gift that they've given you. Don't covet and try to be someone else. Be who you're supposed to be. Yeah. By the way, this is a reoccurring story in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Like stop trying to be somebody else. Be who you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Right. So now the interesting, now this is about to get just a little bit, a little bit more, more interesting. Okay. So let's go over these again really quick. So there's this idea of don't do away with others. Don't betray relationships. Yeah. Don't violate, violate the abstract or the concrete of another person. Mm-hmm. Remember to safeguard the truth, the story, and recognize yourself and what you have. Yeah. Right. Now let's take a look at these five things and think about how they might relate to each other. Mm-hmm. So if you take one and five, don't do away with others. And also maybe don't do away with yourself. Mm-hmm. Recognize the value of what you have. Mm-hmm. Right. 
And then you take a look at concept two and four and you say, don't betray your relationships and safeguard truth, mm -hmm. which would make the, the center of it is don't violate the name or body of another person. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if you're feeling the chiasmus going on here, but it's almost like there's, there's some central points going on in these stories. Yeah. So how about this? The first four, it says, don't violate, right? So if you're thinking about you as a person, it says, don't violate your body. Mm -hmm. Don't violate your relationships. Don't violate your possessions. Don't violate your reputation. And you're hearing this and you're like, okay, well, I need to treat these things with respect. And I need to make sure that I'm not violating these things. And I like body relationship, possessions, reputation of other people. Now these are things of other people and of God. So after that, what do I think about next? Well, what about me? And these laws tell me don't violate me. Recognize that I'm created for a purpose. Mm -hmm. By the way, there are people who uh, are so stuck on Genesis three that they can't hear that. Mm -hmm. We are created for a purpose in Christ mm -hmm. and in God. And don't, don't look at your, don't look at how valuable you think you are. Look at how valuable Christ thinks you are. Right. Jesus takes the idea of love your neighbor as yourself and says, no, love your neighbor just as I have loved you. Right. Right. And we talk in church all the time about the depth of Christ's love, mm -hmm. right? How there's nothing that can compare. Right. Right. And so now Jesus is saying, Hey, you see how value, how much value I put on you, put that on your neighbor, right? That ties directly into what mm -hmm. we're talking about here with these 10 words. A hundred percent. And actually I want to come back to that because I want to connect from, uh, we have a few, little bit further to go with in Deuteronomy. And I actually think it's going to connect really clearly to what Jesus is talking mm -hmm. about. So I want to come back to this idea of Hillel, mm -hmm. this, this idea of that, which you hate, don't do that to your fellow, right? Like, cause he gets this idea from the 10 commandments. Don't do this. Don't mm -hmm. do this. That which you hate, the things that you would hate to have done. Don't do that to your fellow. The rest is commentary on how to do that. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing is you don't treat people the way that you don't want to be treated, but non-violation is not the same as love. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say that again, because I think we need to understand that as a church. Mm -hmm. Non-violation is not the same as love. And I'm having to pause here because I'm, I've been part of like way too many ministry teams where they're like, well, we love you and you don't even respect me. Mm -hmm. You can't love somebody if you don't respect them in some capacity yeah. in the image of God in some, in some capacity, mm -hmm. right? Respecting somebody actually gives you the ability to love somebody and love is not possible without respect. Yeah. Right. And so what the 10 commandments where Hillel grabs this from is he says, he says, these are actually going to te teach you to respect God. Mm -hmm. and to respect all of those people around you yeah. so that you're now able to walk into this place of love. Yeah. Which brings us to Deuteronomy six, mm -hmm. because now Moses comes to them and he says to all of them here, O Israel, the Lord is God. The Lord is one. Yeah. So you will love the Lord, your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your might. This is the thing that they would say when they rise and when they would go to bed in the evening. Mm -hmm. And I actually want to go there in the text. I'm going to read this directly. Hero Israel, the Lord, our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord, your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. 
Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your house and on your gates. When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large, flourishing cities you did not build. Houses filled with all kinds of things that you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord Mm -hmm. who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Man, that is profound because he's just talked about this idea of like these 10 commandments are going to teach you to respect God and respect others. Now you need to hear this Israel. So listen doesn't actually just mean listen. It's the word Shema, which actually means to obey, hear and implement. In other words, Mm -hmm. when you hear something, you actually put it into practice. Now Jesus will make a statement. Those who have ears shall hear, let them hear. Right. Mm -hmm. And what he's saying is if you got ears, put this into practice. Mm -hmm. Like if you heard it, put it into practice. Do not. And I, and that's very at odds with the way that we talk about hearing and understanding. We're like, Oh, I have faith in Jesus. Well, you have faith in Jesus. If you put it on display, Mm -hmm. which we've talked about the God or the book of James Mm -hmm. and how people widely misunderstand this idea of faith, right? Like faith is absolutely a identification and a free gift of Jesus, Mm -hmm. right? When you have faith in Jesus, salvation comes. Mm -hmm. But it is demonstrated by how you are transformed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And James is a great example of that because James is writing to the 12 tribes of Israel scatters amongst the nations. So if you're, if you're reading James, you're like, man, this is such an easy book to understand. It's not. You're probably misinterpreting it because 99% of what James says directly correlates right back to Torah. Yeah. Which after that we finish this Torah series, you may we may do a mini series in James we because might. it's fun. Yeah. So this idea of love, love the Lord your God. This mm-hmm. is Ahava is the Hebrew, right? Mm-hmm. So this is the love that a man and woman have on their wedding day. Yeah. Right. Now we're like, oh, you mean it's puppy dog love? No, no, no. no. It's committed love. Mm-hmm. It's the one that says, I am putting my name down on this piece of paper to be in in our case piece of paper to be committed to you mm-hmm. to commingle my identity with you, mm-hmm. right? So you're going to be have a committed kind of love to God. This is the love that you're going to have for God with all of your heart. Mm-hmm. So the heart is going to be the lavavka is the Hebrew for that. <clears throat> and heart is the place where like it's a seating place of your decisions. Now in ancient Israel, they don't realize that all the decisions that we make are actually made in our brain. Mm-hmm. Right. And God doesn't really feel the particular need to correct them because he just wants them to understand like from where you make your decisions, which they believe was the heart, mm-hmm. which makes sense because if your heart stops working, you stop working, right? Yeah. If you're, if your heart, if you make decisions in your heart, wherever your seated position of decision-making, mm-hmm. like the thing that where that is your decisions, these things are geared toward love for God. Yeah. The nafshika is the soul, right? This with all of your soul, mm-hmm. the nafshika. This is the entire essence of what makes you, you yeah. love God with every, all that. And then the last word is actually a really interesting one. It's called meodeha. It's, uh-huh. it's translated as might. It, it, it's actually your, your very yeah. is the word. It's very meodeha. Mm-hmm. And so it's a love Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your very. And you're like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Very what? Very everything. 
Mm-hmm. Everything, everything that you could love God with, you love God with. Mm-hmm. So it's more encompassing than just being like, oh, heart, soul, mind. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. Now in the gospel, I believe it's of Luke. They actually put a fourth one in there. Mm-hmm. But Luke is also writing to a Greek audience who's going to need that explanation of that. They separate the very out because it's a Hebrew concept, the meotica. Mm-hmm. And so it, it might actually be Mark. But in one of those gospels, they actually list four. It's actually three but the last two are split up because the Greek audience wouldn't know how to understand very. Yeah. They want to know how to understand very, but they would know how to understand strength. Right. Yeah. Right. Which is exactly so, why they put it in that way. Yeah. So if you're, if you're ever wondering that <coughs> writing to a Greek audience with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love yeah. the Lord your God with, with all of that. Right. Yeah. The Greeks would understand strength very well. So they would understand that like, okay. They're like, oh, strength. That makes sense. They're like that yeah. makes sense. Love God with like everything I got. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so this Shema, this thing that they say, and, and I love this thing, by the way, he says, you know, you're going to write it on your doorpost. You put it on your head, put it on your arms, mm-hmm. write it on your doorpost. Tell your kids when you, when you rise and when you lay down. Now that's why they say the prayer in the morning and the evening. They say Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad Ve'ahavta Adonai Eloecha Bechol Lavavka Uvakon Nafshika Evodo Medeka. Right. This is this is the the prayer that they say every day. I was just waiting for you to say, can you repeat that back to me? Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, it's, I, I probably could say it with a little less phlegm, but like this is the <laughs> the prayer that they say every morning and every evening. And, uh-huh. you know, and and at times when I'm struggling with I don't know what to say before God, sometimes I repeat it. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I'm reminding myself of the central tenet that I'm here to obey God yes. and to love him with everything that I have. And then I'm going to listen to what Jesus tells me in the New Testament, which is that the second is like it. Yeah. Love my neighbor as myself, which we had a whole episode on. Yeah. Like, so these things I'm reminding myself of, of on a regular basis. When is the last time as a church, we just reminded ourselves. Yeah. Listen, church, obey, mm-hmm. love God with everything you got, mm-hmm. all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your might. And then with that same fervor, love your neighbor the same way that you love yourself. Mm-hmm. I, I just speculate that if we remembered this, then we wouldn't live in vineyards that we didn't plant and forget who gave them to us. Mm-hmm. And we wouldn't have plenty and forget where it came from. Mm-hmm. And that we wouldn't have blessing and then just look for more blessing without finding ways to bless others. Yeah. It feels like most of the time the church struggles. It's because we forget where we come from. Amen. To quote a book that is a favorite of one of our friends in the book of Revelation, mm-hmm. and God comes to one of the churches and he says, you have forgotten your first love. Yeah. If only you burned now, like you burned then, mm-hmm. when you forget where you come from, you forget the mission that you're serving. Yeah. This is fundamental for the next generation. Mm-hmm. Are you going to get this right? This is, I mean, probably this section right here is my favorite section of Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. It's just so powerful. Yeah. And when you love with that fervor that we're talking about, the people around you are going to be like, what is that idiot doing? <laughs> like, can we just be real on that? Yeah. Like, they're going to be like, what is that fool doing? Like, an example, the other night, the the Jehovah's Witness have found our street. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, and I'm, I'm the last house. And so... They always will go knock on all the other doors and they're all like, yeah, go away. And then they come knock on my door and then like, I'll have, I'll talk to them for five, six minutes or so. And then they'll go away. 
but it's, but you know, I have my neighbors who are like, why do you keep talking to them? I'm like, cause I'm nice. Yeah. Cause, cause like Jesus loves them. Yeah. Right. Do I get annoyed that they come to my house? Yeah. Sometimes, but like people Jesus are rarely convenient. Yeah. But they are important. I was thinking about like, I remember there's this once I was walking somewhere in school and this girl had like just tons of papers and they went yeah. flying everywhere. Just like we expect in a movie. Right. Right. Yeah. I was in a hurry. I was going to be late, but it was still the right thing to stop and help her pick those up. Yeah. Right. Like loving people is rarely convenient. Mm -hmm. If you're looking for something convenient, don't, don't follow God Mm -hmm. because it's horribly inconvenient. It's horribly inconvenient. It's not just, it's not just not convenient. (laughs) It's like, it's it's like out of your way, actively inconvenient, but it is fulfilling. It is a hundred percent. And it is a blessing. Yeah. And it is like, I mean, it's, I've been trying to explain to people, they're like, they're like, you know, it just seems like being a Christian is incredibly difficult. I was like, it is. Then why do you Uh do it? Because it's awesome. Yeah. You know? I mean, that's kind of like, I had this guy, he's like, he's like, ah, you know, I I would get married, but you know, I really enjoy, you know, dating, blah, blah, blah. He's like, why'd you get married? I was like, cause I found a great woman and marriage is way cooler than dating a bunch of people. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't care what you say. There is nothing in dating a bunch of people that compares with marriage. Yeah. But marriage is way harder than dating a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Way harder. It is way harder. Yeah. Single people out there, like it's not going to get easier when you get married. Yeah. In marriage, you have to work through your issues. Yeah. When you're just dating around, you start to have issues. You're like, all right, bye. Hmm. See you later. Man, imagine if people, when they had issues with the church, actually worked through dealing with them instead mm-hmm. of just bailing. Yeah. Imagine if. Yeah. Now, I want to caveat that because sometimes like you can try to work through things and you just got to move in on anyways. Mm-hmm. But most of us don't even try. Mm-hmm. Ben and I have both been in spots where we've just had to move on from church. Yeah. From a church. So there is a time and place for that, but that's never been my go-to. I don't know about you, but never been my go-to to be like, all right, it's hard. I'm just going to bail. I'm just going to throw something out here for our listeners and just ask you this question because we, we talk a lot about these ideas from Torah. Mm-hmm. What is written on your doorpost? Mm-hmm. And I'm not meaning literally, I mean, figuratively, what is bound to your forehead? Mm-hmm. what are the things that you say when you rise and when you, when you lay down, mm-hmm. what are the things that you teach your children year after year after year? Yeah. Generation to generation. Yeah. And I would, I would just postulate that perhaps that's going to tell you a lot about who you're actually following. Amen. And, and listen, if it's not who you're following, like Jesus is not who you're following. That's an easy correction. Mm-hmm. Like Lord knows we've had to make that correction a lot of times in our life. We're like, oh, this part is not lined up with who Jesus wants me to be. Mm-hmm. Your point, and I want to f- close with this idea, is Jesus at the height of his power mm-hmm. in John. He's at the at the ceremony. He's been given all his power, and he recognizes that everything is under his authority. He takes off his robe, puts it around his waist, gets down, and he washes his disciples' feet. Mm-hmm. And then he makes a statement a little later. He says, in the same way mm-hmm. that I have loved you, so you should love one another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I don't think it's it's going out of my way to say that of the two in this relationship, the disciples and Jesus, Jesus was the one with the power. Yeah. He was the one with the authority. Mm-hmm. He was the one with the right answers, and he was the one who knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. And yet he thought it was worth getting down on his knees to wash the feet of his disciples. Mm-hmm. And he was the one who was forever faithful. Correct. Mm-hmm. I think that is really paramount for us as followers of Christ to go and do the same. Yeah. 
to find ways that even when we're the one in the right, even when we're the one with the power, maybe it's time for us to get down on our knees and wash the feet. Mm-hmm. I, I gave a talk a while back on the Lord's Supper and John 13 mm-hmm. in particular. And I was, and I compared it to an awkward family dinner. Yeah. Because I mean, like, let's just run, run through this. You have the rabbi who's not supposed to wash feet, who washes feet. And then they get, then he's like, oh, by the way, one of you is going to kill me. That's going to be responsible for what? killing me. Yeah. And then, and the Jew, this is already working in Judas's heart. And, and so they're going around the table like, is it me? Is it me? And then Judas is like, is it me? And Jesus is like, yeah, bro, it's you. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah, bro, it's you. And, uh, this is the Spencer translation. And then they're like, all right, now we're going to go about our meal. Right. Yeah. Like there's a tension in this room, mm-hmm. right? There's broken relationships that are starting to happen in this room. There's, there's the calling out of like, Hey, you're the one who's going to be responsible for my death. And then there's Peter saying, no, if you you can't just wash my feet, you have to wash all of me. Mm-hmm. Right. You have, you have this multi-layer tensioned meal going on. And the one who's faithful through it all is Jesus. Yeah. Right. Cause as soon as Jesus is arrested, most of the disciples scatter. Peter denies him. Yeah. But the idea being that Jesus at the height of who he is says, I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to take, and I'm going to take the position of being the faithful servant leader so that when the time comes, you all being the apostles can elevate who he is. I have, I have one more thought here and mm-hmm. it was just, it was just getting late on me. And so like, we'll just, I'll speak this and hopefully connect with somebody out there. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about Judas and he betrays Jesus and recognizes that what ha- ends up happening, he's very, has tons of remorse. Peter does the same and betrays Jesus mm-hmm. three times. The difference between Peter and Judas wasn't that they betrayed Jesus. Yeah. It's that one of them came back to Jesus. Mm-hmm. If Judas had come back, I a hundred percent believe that Christ would have absolutely welcomed him right back in with open arms, mm-hmm. but you got to come back Yeah. Mm-hmm. in the story of the prodigal son. He can't forgive his son until he comes home. Mm-hmm. He's got to come home. Yeah. And he will run out to meet you. Yep. But until you come home, he's not, not willing to leave you out there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Well, that is it for this week. Next week, we're going to be getting into a few more of the laws and things mm-hmm. going on in Deuteronomy, continuing our walkthrough. But once again, if you have people you'd like to see on the podcast chatting with us, we're going to have a lot of guests through Deuteronomy. And so we would love to hear your suggestions of who you might like to see with us. Yeah. Also, we do have the merch store up. We're going to have different products going on there um, as soon as I can figure out how to <laughs> fix some of the designs. But yeah, there's some, I think a couple of hats and mm-hmm. t-shirts. The Desert is Hot is still on there. Mm-hmm. I am actually getting Tara to work on this, the brat and uh, mango thing that says I have no self-control with a comic of you. So uh, that might be up there at some point. I'm definitely going to get it for you and have you wear it for the video at some point. Sounds good. good. uh, Until then, if you need to connect with us, lovingcontext at gmail.com, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Mm -hmm. Those are all places. I mean, obviously, if you're watching this on YouTube, you probably know you can see us on YouTube. Speaking of brats. Yeah. We... We decided to cook brats over the fire last night. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I cooked like eight of them up for my family. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you ate all eight? No. And then oh. my wife was like, yeah, I'm not that hungry. And then my daughter took like two bites of her, of one. And I was like, okay. So they weren't that hungry. And then I went to put the brats away and I was like, there's three left. <laughs> so you had five. <laughs> so you had five. <laughs> that's so great. <laughs> uh, I was like, oh, that just happened. Oh, man. That's so great. All right. We'll see you guys next time. That's a wrap for today's episode. We want to extend a heartfelt thank you for tuning in 
and spending your valuable time with us. We hope that you found today's conversation insightful and that you take something meaningful from it. If you have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Reach out to us at loveandcontext at gmail.com and we will be sure to get back to you. Remember, you can always engage with our content on all your favorite listening platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, and more. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Love and Context on Instagram and Facebook for updates. Welcome. I'm just, that was that was just for Ben. That was just so. I bad. have to edit these things out. You uh, know that, uh, right? <laughs> Yeah. Sorry, actually, can we do that one more time? I got to tell you what I was thinking about in my head. I was like, wouldn't it be really cool if like AI, we could just upload like two speakers uh, and then it would just create a cartoon of two people talking. No, I would post that on YouTube all day. Uh, that's coming. Man. Yeah, I'm I know. I'm pretty just sure we could do that. That was, pretty that, sure was, we that, that was Ben's brain just thinking uh, about things that aren't related to what we're doing. Mm-hmm.